Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give glory to God for this team. Thanks, you guys. Good morning. Good to see you all today. Hope you had a good holiday. I, I know, as, as Aaron said earlier, a couple yeah, did lose family members over the weekend and uh, had some special times there, but you all look pretty good. Good to see you today. Uh, you look well-fed and everything. Yeah. yeah, the only people on the planet who give thanks on Thursday then fight in stores to get more the next day. It's the American way. Yeah. Yeah, I was determined that if I left my house at 2 o'clock, I could miss the traffic going down to the valley, and I could be back on the road coming home by 5 o'clock and miss the traffic again. And I nailed it. I nailed it. I nailed it. The only people to greet me there at Mall Road and, and uh, 36 were the police officers getting ready for the mobs, and I beat it all. <laughs> the race is on. The race is on. I'm Pastor Michael, lead pastor here at Summit. It's great to be with you today. So, um, hey, we're back into the, the, uh, the book of Hebrews. Uh, we, um, we're, we're doing a study called, called Greater Than, and this is part two today, Greater Fullness. And this is going to take us, uh, get us started over the next few weeks. And then, uh, of course, next week is Advent, beginning of Advent. But we're going to continue with Hebrews. And then the 17th, we'll do a four-part Christmas series right in there that's all about worship. Come, let us worship. Uh, or we have come to worship, actually, the words of the wise men. So looking forward to that with you all. But the last time we were in the book of Hebrews, uh, we really articulated the fact, Hebrews expresses that Jesus Christ is greater than. Jesus Christ is greater than. Jesus Christ is greater than angels. Angels are magnificent. They, they must be rather intimidating because pretty much every time an angel appears in Scripture, what's the first words out of his mouth? Yeah, be not afraid. Yeah, calm down. It's okay. So angels must be somewhat intimidating, right? But they're servants. They are servants who worship the living God, worship Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is greater than angels. Jesus Christ is greater than Moses. Moses, the great figure of Jewish history. He is the guy that led them out of bondage in Egypt uh, toward freedom. A freedom that they missed because of a lack of faith. But he's the guy who also gave them the law, the definition of righteousness. Now, now hold on a minute. God gave them the law, but God gave the law through Moses. And therefore, Moses is, is, is the great in Jewish history. Moses came to bring law. The law condemns. Praise the Lord. God didn't leave us there. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And by fulfilling the law, Jesus Christ came to give us grace. Therefore, Jesus is, yeah, Jesus is greater than Moses. Yeah, can we give glory to God? Jesus is greater than law. Yeah. And, and that really is what we need to hear is that grace uh, just overshadows law. Grace is greater than the than, than law, and, and that's so important. And so this is important because now we pick up here in chapter 3, verse 7, from, from that um, prerequisite, okay? So here we go, verse 7. So, as the Spirit says, now notice that's present tense. 
It means now, right? And right here, he's quoting from Psalm 95. And, and as you hear Psalm 95, you need to say, this is for us right now. So here we go. So as the Holy Spirit says, then notice the quotation marks, today, if you hear his voice, if you hear Jesus' voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. 40 years, miracle upon miracle. Yet they tested God. Verse 10, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I have declared on oath in my anger and then these haunting and daunting words here, they shall never enter my rest. Boy, if you get nothing else out of this this morning, make sure you hear those words. Make sure that you do not fail to enter into the Lord's rest. That last song was all about resting in Him. And that's really where we need to go today. Um, yeah, um, but a couple of things just about this passage before we, we dig into that theme here. First, I need you to notice three key words. Okay, Verse 7 is the word today. Today, for right now, today. Verse 8 is the word test. Verse 11 is the word rest. Now, for the sake of creative licensing, I've chosen to replace the word today with the word best. So what do we have? Best, test, and rest. I think that's an outline you can hold on to. Best, test, and, and rest. Second thing, I stopped reading at, at verse 11 but you really can't fully grasp this passage unless you carry it through all the way to verse 19. Verses 7 through 11 give us a valuable lesson from history. It's about a people who saw God's gracious hand, yet they failed to continue trusting Him, and, and therefore they missed out on the good things that God had for them. So that takes us to verse 19. Verses 12 through 19 now repeat essentially what we saw in, in these initial verses of, through verse 11, but they emphasize this to us. Don't make the same mistakes, and here's how to avoid them, all right? And we'll see that as we go. Then the third thing, just to highlight here, is in verse 12. Starting with verse 12, we get these same key words. Notice verse 13 and verse 15, you get the word today. There in verse 14, essentially, you get the words, if you pass the test. And then verse 18 is this word, rest. Now, just one more thing that I need to make sure we all understand before we get moving, and that is, who are these people that rebelled? Okay, so you look at verses 8 and 9. And then you see it repeated again in verses 16 and 17. It is the Hebrews. These are the people that Moses led out of bondage and began leading toward the promised land. They're the ones who saw God come through for them again and again and again with miracle upon miracle. And despite this, they're the ones who rebel in unbelief. They're the ones who ended up in a life of floundering and a life of wandering and they're the ones who for an example to us all failed to enter into God's rest 
Okay, so we have these three words now. We have best, test, and, and rest. Best as opposed to less than best. Yeah, best as, as opposed to less than best. Now, I have a hunch this morning that most of you here would say, I really like the word best. Right? Uh, for our children, we always want the best. We like that word best. I have a hunch that for most of us here, we like the word rest. Yeah, and now that all the family's gone, maybe you can get some rest from this holiday weekend. I, I don't know. But what about this word test? Ew. Yeah, I don't think we like that word very well. We don't like to be tested. Okay, so we have best. And here's the deal. Today is the only best that you've got. Today is the only best that, that you got. Now, I tried to use a different word here. Uh, unfortunately, the best that I could come up with isn't even a word at all. I would have to use the word goodest. You know, today's the goodest day you've got. Doesn't work very well. I couldn't say today is as good as it, as it gets because I, I just don't know that. I don't know what your tomorrows may bring, and I hope that your tomorrows do bring you some wonderful things, but please do not put all of your eggs into your tomorrow basket. Huh? Make sure you're not putting all your eggs in tomorrow's basket. Today is your greatest opportunity, and nothing says it. Well, I, I can't even say that. Today's your greatest opportunity. I don't know that either for the same basic reason. But nothing says it like today is the best that you've got. How do I know this? Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is no guarantee. And the only thing you have to claim is the moment you're currently living in. So the big question is right now for all of us to consider, what are you doing with your today? This best that you've been given. And it becomes so important to me because in ministry I've heard far too many talk about their someday dreams and, and frankly hearing it just kind of makes me want to cringe because as they're thinking about their someday dreams, people are living out their dreams all around them. There are those who are doing that. I just want to say please get started on your someday's now. There's no guarantee, hear this, there's no guarantee that your tomorrow will ever get here. And even if your tomorrow does get here, there's no guarantee that it's going to look anything like what, you're, like what you may be counting on. You know, so here in Estes Park, I love to pick on, and you know I love to pick on our little phrase, another home, home day in paradise. I mean, clearly this is satire, but we need to be clear. Ho-hum and best are not synonymous terms. They really don't have much in, in common. Webster, Webster says uh, that, that it, it's about having or showing no excitement or enthusiasm. It's about a spirit of in, indifference. He's been leading a very ho-hum existence. Dull, boring, right? Or I don't see how you can be so ho-hum about what's happening around you. That's the word indifference. Yuck! Anybody want that kind of life? Huh? No, I don't, think, I don't think we do. Yet there have been those who have come to Estes Park who are, are believing they've arrived. They finally achieved that which they've been longing for. There are some days, their land of ho-hum 
dreams. And, and, and getting here, they may have missed out on a whole lot of todays all along the way, but finally they've arrived. Oh, man, and how many times have we seen it, those of us who have been here a while, right? And all of a sudden they're packing up and they're moving away because they're frustrated, they're discouraged. It just isn't what they thought it would be. And in the midst of that, God says, today, today, this moment in time, this is the best day that you have to claim. If you hear my voice, please, please, please do not harden your hearts because of the testing that you may be going through. Because if you do, you will miss out on the rest that I have for you. And so simple application right here. Today is the best day to put the hope and trust that you claim to have in the Lord into action. Right now is your moment. This is it. What are you doing with your today? Yeah, it's the best. Secondly, the word test. Okay, let's go after this word. Just as you can be sure that today is the best that you've got, you can also be sure that the path to rest will be filled with test after test. Okay, anybody want to say yuck right there? Yeah, yuck. I mean, you can say that. In fact... Or the fact that you may be in the midst of a test right now doesn't alter the reality that this is still the best that you've got. Did you hear that? The fact that you may be in a test right now doesn't change the reality that this is still the best that you have. Can you remember being in school, right? You come in, you're just kind of, you know, just kind of want the day to get by and all of a sudden the teacher says students clear your desk take out nothing but a piece of paper and a pencil remember those days huh you remember your response yuck it's a test it's a pop quiz i hate those so um this college student he was really frustrated because in an effort to to fill his, his schedule instead of finding the blow-off course that he had hoped for the blow-off elective, he instead was stuck in a course that he, that he heard was tough and required a great deal of memorization. It was zoology. Oh, man, zoology. And his frustration only tense, intensified. Just a weekend, the teacher does just that, put away everything, and he hands out the sheet, and what they're to do is they're to identify specific birds by looking at nothing but their legs. He didn't have a clue. The longer he stared at the pictures, the more frustrated he got. Finally, he got out of his seat, went down to the front, threw his paper on the professor's desk and said, this is the worst test I've ever seen. I hate this class. The professor says, son, you know this will earn you an F. And then the professor noticed the boy hadn't even put his name on the paper. And he said, son, what's your name? The boy then rolled up his pant leg and said, you tell me. <laughs> I hate tests. That boy hates tests. I have a hunch that professor didn't appreciate being tested, right? Yeah. So as I said, verses 7 through 11 are quoting Psalm 95. If you read that psalm, it starts off as a psalm of celebration. It's about God's faithfulness. 
That's what it's really about, Psalm 95. It's all about God's faithfulness. And I loved our singing about faithfulness today because uh, I have really been meditating. If you've been close to me, you know the last several months I've been meditating in Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, right? Or, or, or different translations will say, because of the, the Lord's great compassion, we are not consumed. For His mercies are great, right? They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful. And then, then we, we don't often hear the next verse, but it's really what captured me. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. And, and so Psalm 95, it starts off with this, this song of praise and thanksgiving, but then it gives this example of the Hebrews who forgot God's faithfulness. Verse 8 defines it with two words. Notice them. They're the words rebellion and testing. You might want to circle those two words because if you read it in Psalm 95, you'll find two new names given. They are the names Mirabah and Masa. Do you see those two words? Okay, now let me give you a little bit of a platform here on these two words. First, you need to understand that testing is like a fire. Testing is like a fire. The fire will either refine you or the fire will destroy you. The fire either refines or destroys. What does it come down to? It comes down to whether or not we will trust God in the fire. God wants to temper us and prove our faith, but that can only happen when we're surrendered to him, when we're believing him. That's what this is all about. So this is what the Hebrews failed to do. By the time they had arrived at a place called Rephidim, God had come through for them again and again and again with miracle after miracle, yet realizing there was no water to be had in this place, they immediately said, give us water. Now, Moses clearly shows us that this is complaining against God. Give us water, they demanded. So if you look at verse 2, uh, it says, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Why do you do this? So then as a testimony against them, Moses names this place Meribah, which means to quarrel, as in quarrel with God, and Masa, which is test, which means to test God. So just like this college student who rolled up his pant leg and insisted the professor tell him his name based on that, we do not want to put the Lord to the test. Who are we to test God? Who are we to test God? Really, he shows himself faithful continually. Can I just get you to stop right now and consider God's faithfulness to you? He is, he is faithful. Therefore, we should practice Thanks, we should practice uh, praise. Yet don't we kind of just doubt and fear and grumble and complain? Friends, the test poses this question. At what point will you and at what point will I finally and completely believe that just as God came through for us then, he will come through for us now?
Yeah. In fact, the, the text highlights a few wrong responses. They're both there in verse 12. One is the sinful response, and the other's an unbelieving heart. Okay, so the sinful response has to do with those things that we tend to run to for escape. God doesn't want us running from our tests. God wants us to face our tests together with him. So here we have the Hebrews who are threatening to go back to Egypt. God's leading them to freedom. He's taking them away from bondage, but they keep wanting to go back to bondage. <laughs> and we're no different. Well, God wants to take us to the place of rest. We keep holding on to bondage, and it looks like this. You know, it's that past life that maybe feels good, maybe offers a sense of security, familiarity, comfort. Uh, maybe we have a sense of entitlement. I don't want to miss anything, but friends, it's bondage. It's bondage. You know, I, I, my image is going to NAU my freshman year, all on fire for God. And then second semester, feeling sorry for myself and finding myself back in the pit, right? Like the dog who returns to his vomit. But thank God he came knocking on my noggin at three in the morning. He said, Michael, isn't it much better to follow me? And I said, absolutely, Lord. And he said, meet me in your room. And uh, man, that was a, a turning point for me. But second is this, well, well, application here, to fully take hold of the new life that God has for us, we've got to come to the place of finally letting go of the old. That's just the way it works. The second is this unbelieving heart. Even though God has come through for them again and again, showing himself faithful, they continue to doubt in the test. Friends, today is the best day that we have to build on yesterday's miracles and to trust God. Stop and give Him thanks and praise. And what a great weekend to consider thanking and praising the Lord. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about rest for just a moment. We've got best, we've got test. Let's talk about rest for, for just a moment. Now, hear this statement. If we can't find rest in the midst of the test, we will never find it. Remember that verse I highlighted, verse 11, they shall never enter my rest. We must learn to find rest in the midst of whatever life might throw our way because we have confidence in the Lord. Missing rest is a scary, scary thought. What did the Hebrews do when the test came? They turned to false gods. We were better off in Egypt. Pharaoh, the great deity Pharaoh, took care of us. They made false accusations against God. You brought us here to kill us. Hmm. They put God to the test. Give us water. And consequently, they missed out on the best that God has for, had for them. Rest will only be found in believing rest will only be found in believing in trusting god verse 19 tells us that rest is missed because of unbelief and therefore we can know that rest will be found in believing what did they do they didn't trust the lord and so that's why the bible gives us so many promises to build on trust 
in the Lord. Do you hear it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your limited understanding as you move through this place. Acknowledge Him and He'll direct your steps. He will direct you every step along the way. What do they do? They went straight to the default mode. Doubt, fear, grumbling. Big question here. We don't have water. Lord, surely you're aware we don't have water, right? Lord, we're asking you, would you provide water? Look at James 1, starting with verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, whenever you face tests of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If, and then in parentheses, you see these you can write right there. If in the midst of the test, any of you lacks wisdom or feels short of what you need, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Stop fretting, stop fussing, and start trusting. That's what this is all about. Yeah, I should have said trusting. Stop fussing and start trusting. That works a whole lot better. Now, I can't stop without pointing out two applications that are in this passage. Um, The first is verse 13, and that we must encourage one another daily in those things. Please, please, please don't let anybody tell you they're a Christian. They just don't need the body. This is not a private matter. Your faith is not a private thing. We are better together. We need each other, and God will best be seen in us together. Yeah. Someone asked if there are fire ants in Colorado. Are there fire ants in Colorado? Are there fire ants in Texas? Yeah, fire ants and tell, yeah, we, some of us know what that's all about, right? Great anthills are only built when a whole bunch of insignificant creatures start working together. And, and if you should be walking along barefoot and happen to step in an anthill, right, their fellowship is going to have an impact on you. I mean, you could probably handle the bite of, of one fire ant, but, but the whole mess of them, I mean, if you come stomping around their house, they're going to let you know you are not welcome here. <laughs> one ant left alone is never going to have that kind of impact, but their combined strength not only has the capacity to ward off any attackers, but if something does get destroyed, they can rebuild what's been lost a whole lot faster. That's right. And we've got a big foot that threatens us as a body. In fact, it threatens us each as individuals. And that big foot is the foot of doubt, of unbelief. And what this text is calling us to is to fellowship, to remind each other, keep believing. You don't want to miss out on the rest. And his comfort is found in the believing because the moment you doubt is the moment you've given up all hope. So we need each other to spur each other on. The second one is a theme you hear again and again around here, verse 14. Hold on to your original conviction firmly. Listen, if your original faith in Jesus Christ can lead you out of Egypt, the land of bondage, then 
all of us need to understand that that same faith in Jesus will lead you, will lead me, will lead us to our Canaan, that land of freedom and that land of rest. In fact, the same faith, that same faith will allow us to enjoy freedom and strength and rest and abundance and help all along the way, even in the testing. So without grumbling or complaining, we can be sure of at least four things, and, and, and these things include this. As you move through life on what you know, you can trust God to steer you into his will. In your needs along the way, you can know God is faithful to provide. Give us this day our daily bread. It's so important. In our willingness to forgive, he will forgive. And in the midst of whatever your battle he will show you victorious if you'll trust in him. So what do we do? We hold on to Jesus. We hold on to Jesus with everything we've got. He's the best. Even in the test, he can give us rest. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him today, honestly? Do you know him? Today, is the best day you have to finally turn it over and put your trust in the Lord. Are you a believer and you're struggling in the tests of life? Can I challenge you? Stop and reflect and give the Lord thanks and praise because of the Lord's great compassion. We are not consumed for his Mercies, they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You are my portion. I will trust. I will trust. I will trust in you. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're here today. Be reminded. Be encouraged. God is faithful. God is faithful. Yeah. Let's pray. Just say, say to God, God, you are faithful. Say to God, thank you for your faithfulness. Say to God, God, your mercies, they're new every morning. I thank you, Lord. You have shown yourself faithful again and again and again. I want to trust you. Maybe today you don't know him and you're saying, I want to know, I want to know this God that you're talking about. I don't know him like that. I want to know him. Maybe right now you've been tested and you haven't handled it very well. The Lord receives you with great kindness. Just confess your failure to trust his sin and then embrace him and thank him. What's the Lord saying to you? How will you respond?